Morning, everybody. Um, so I'm one of the leaders at Patton Church, and one of the great privileges of being a church leader, being a vicar, is that you get to take weddings. And I actually took a wedding yesterday. And um, how fun, getting to celebrate all that God's doing for Becky and Aidan, it was yesterday. Celebrate their love for each other um, and celebrate them starting a new family. They get to start a new family. They're part of each other's families now, but they get to start a new family. And it reminded me... Um, of the first time, or one of the first times that I met my husband's family. Now, my husband's family, Andy's family, are a fabulous bunch. Um, and I think this is partly because of Andy's nan. Have we got a picture of this, this wonderful bunch? Oh, you can just about see lovely Muriel right in the middle here um, and all her family around her. And Andy's nan um, is a bit of a matriarch, um, wonderful woman who um, she never expected to get married. She was born with a disability, so she just assumed that it wouldn't happen for her, that she wouldn't get married, she wouldn't have a family. And then later in life, relatively late in those days, in her 30s, she married someone she knew in her whole life. She had four children who then gave her 12 grandchildren. And I haven't actually bothered to add up all the great-grandchildren because I will always forget one or two. Um, and um, this is us on her 100th birthday. So fun. Five years ago, she was 100. Um, she actually died last January, so we're missing her this year. But what a wonderful woman. Um, and um, there's actually seven more people have appeared since this picture was taken, <laughs> and one missing. Um, so we're now 52. It's a big family, and we're gathered around Muriel. I blame her for the, the whole of it. Um, and here at Patton Church, we're wanting to be a family. Not a family gathered around Andy's nan Muriel, lovely though she is, um, but a family gathered around Jesus. Um, we want to be inviting people into family. We want to be getting people in, gathering people around Jesus, um, being family together, um, so that we can serve Swindon, so that we can make a difference in the world around us. Um, and today we're looking at family, as Joel just said. So we're looking at a passage from the Bible. Um, this is a passage that was written after Jesus' life on earth, written by a Christian called Paul. Now, Paul was a big church planter, um, went around the Middle East and what is now Europe and a bit of Asia, um, planting churches, telling people about Jesus, planting churches, making families who were knowing about Jesus, gathering around Jesus. And after he planted these churches, he, he went off and left them to it and planted some more churches, and then he used to write to them. So this is one of Paul's letters. Um, that he wrote to encourage and teach the early church, the early family gathering around Jesus, and that it can encourage and teach us too. So we're in Romans chapter 12. Oh, I've left my Bible in my bag. Sorry, I'm going to have to turn around and read it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And he finishes with this beautiful, beautiful image of a family, a body, like Jesus' body, all different, all precious, all important, and all gathered around Jesus. And Paul starts by saying, in view of God's mercy, mercy if you just go back to the first bit, Martin, in view of God's mercy, 
And it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus' mercy, his love to us. Um, This is a family where everyone is loved. And love is transformative. Um, I heard some research a few years ago um, about young people in the care system, so young people who weren't able to live with their family of origin anymore and were being cared for in the care system. Um, That might have been your experience. There might be people here who've lived that experience. In some ways, people in care get lots of support, and in some ways, they get far too little. Um, But the research said that the most meaningful thing that anyone could do for one of those young people living apart from their family um, is to show an interest in them. That's all you needed to do. For one person to show an interest in one young person, that was enough to transform their experience, to transform their outcomes, to transform the future they were going to have. Um, absolutely transformative, that love, that interest, caring what's going to happen to them, caring what decisions they make. Love is transformative. Um, And Andy's Nan Muriel, she never expected to have a family at all, let alone however many it was, I said 52 or something. Um, And she loved us. She loved us. She prayed for us. She wrote letters to her children and grandchildren. She came to every wedding. She was at every party. Um, Everyone in the family knew that they were loved by Nanny, and it was transformative. And we're inviting people into family. We're invited into family. You're invited into family. We're inviting as many as we can of the 200,000 people who aren't in church at the moment, who aren't in a family centered around Jesus. Um, And this is a family where people will thrive, where love will transform their experience of life where Jesus will make a huge difference to their lives and where we can be part of that story as well, where we can take an interest in each other, where we walk through life together. I was really um, lucky, I consider myself really lucky to have grown up in church. Um, And when my family got challenging, my parents separated at 11 and um, I actually only slammed the door and walked out of the house once in my whole teenage years, um, which isn't that many, but it was a significant moment. I remember it very clearly, the act of slamming the door and walking out of my dad's house when I was about 15. It was someone from church who I went to to spend uh, just a little hour with them, calm down, have a cup of tea, and then they sent me back to my family and sorted me out again. But it was church that were part um, of my extended family that helped bring me up throughout my childhood. I'm so grateful for having a family that showed an interest in me, that helped me learn about what leadership meant in my life, that helped me learn about what Jesus was doing for me and what he was going to do for me. And we're a family gathered around Jesus because we're loved by Jesus. Everyone in this family is loved more than we can imagine. Jesus loves everyone more than we can imagine. He loved us so much that he died for us. And he died for us because we mess up. He died for us because we're affected by our bad decisions. We're affected by other people's bad decisions. We're affected by the brokenness of this world. And that brokenness can make it really really hard for us to be close to God. It can make it hard for us to follow him. It can make it hard for us to experience that transformative love in our lives. But actually, because of God's love, because of his mercy to us, his forgiveness, he has died to take away all of that stuff, all of that sin, all of that hard stuff, all of that brokenness, and he's risen and given us life to the full. It's a love that's fully transformative. It's death to life. We're baptizing 10 people this afternoon, and they will go down in the water to remember, actually, that all that stuff is dead, and they'll come back up out of the water because Jesus has given them new life. It's so exciting. It's the best life. It's the, long, the life we were created for. It's the life we were born to have. It's the life that I know some of us are longing to experience more of. 
And in this family where everyone knows that they're loved, everyone can experience freedom and forgiveness, and anyone can have life with Jesus. But actually, anyone's welcome to join at any point. Um, but sometimes joining a new family is hard. Um, sometimes it's challenging joining a new family. Um, and as family members, Paul then talks about being a living sacrifice. As members of the family, we're called to, to give up a little, to sacrifice something of our own self, to put our whole self in, um, to be willing to have a go, um, to help other people to come into the family. Um, we're all in. Every part of us wants to be following Jesus, and we want more people to join us. And then Paul writes, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And there's three ways that I just want to think through that I wonder, and I certainly find it very easy to be conformed to the pattern of this world, um, to, to follow the habits of society, the trends of society, and maybe some of the other influences that aren't what God wants for me, aren't living life to the full. Um, things that are present in our culture but actually aren't good for us and aren't good for our family and make it really hard sometimes for people to come in, for us to be inviting people into family. Um, and the first one is anxiety. Now, anxiety is, is growing in our culture and it's awful. There are more and more people um, really debilitated by anxiety, um, housebound and having to give up work and just really awful, awful mental health challenges. Um, but also, if, even if that's not your story, lots of us find social situations just quite hard. We get quite nervous in social situations. Um, and I, I th I've seen this particularly in under 40s, but I do think it affects everyone of, of every age. Um, I went to um, a seminar at Soul Survivor this summer. Soul Survivor is like a Christian youth festival, um, a bit like we do Focus as a church family. Our church family holiday, we'll be doing that at the end of July. So it's a little bit like that, camping and talks and worship and stuff. And I went to a seminar on anxiety. And there were hundreds of teenagers and young adults and a few older adults as well in this like big barn thing. Um, listening to this seminar about anxiety. It was absolutely brilliant seminar. Um, and at the end, the chap leading the seminar said, is there anyone here who experiences social anxiety? And literally everyone in the room put their hand up. Now, everyone was at a seminar about anxiety. So you would accept some level of self-selection. But everyone in the room put their hand up. I mean, this is a really common thing. Um, people. People feel worried about, um, about social occasions. Um, people feel anxiety. And I think there's lots of reasons for that, um, which I can talk about another time. But um, we don't want any of this anxiety to be holding us back. We don't want any of this anxiety to be stopping us being family together, stopping us inviting new people into family, stopping us helping new people experience the transformative love of Jesus. Because we know that is going to change lives. And we don't want anything um, to be stopping that. Um, so Andy's back to Andy's family. Should I have the picture back up again? I do like this picture. Um, the first time I met most of these people behind me was 12 years ago. And every year, they don't do it anymore, but they used to have a family Christmas party. And this was like a tradition that had been going, I don't know, like 35 years or something, when I eventually managed to make it to a Christmas party 12 years ago. And I've got to be honest, I was a bit daunted. Now, it was 12 years ago, so there were actually only 35 people at this Christmas party, not 50, whatever it is now, um, if we all were all to meet. Um, a mere, th oh no, 32, I've counted up last night. There were 32 people. Um, and so that's quite a lot of names to learn. That's quite a lot of people to work out who they are. That's quite a lot of, um, you know, interactions that I'm going to be having this afternoon at Family Christmas Party. And I don't know about you, but like families look like each other. It's quite confusing. Like Andy and his two brothers, like 
They look so similar. Is it any wonder people call them the wrong name? Um, and the, at this year, the Christmas party, there were three babies there. Um, three youngest were all nine months old. Um, they were all girls, um, Katie, Abby, and Tamsin, and they were all born in the same week, and they were all blonde. I had no hope of working out which child belonged to which family. Like, there was no chance for me to be able to crack this. Very challenging. Um, in Andy's family, actually, people have the same name as each other as well, which is kind of confusing, but also kind of convenient. So um, there were three of us at that party called Catherine. Very easy to remember. So I clocked the Catherines very early. Great, that was three of this 32 sorted. Um, and then actually in Andy's family, um, his aunt is called Chris, and his uncle is called Chris, and his um, cousin is called Chris, and his brother is called Chris, and his brother-in-law is called Chris. So that was another five. Like, once I'd cracked the Chrises and the Catherine, I was literally a quarter of the way there, so I was absolutely winning. But that's still, like, 16 more people, including these three babies that all looked identical, because they're all exactly the same age. Um, and that experience, I don't know if you've experienced times like that when you're thrust into a new situation and you're suddenly like, where do I fit in this family? Who are these people? What is going on here? They all know what they're doing because they've been doing this for 35 years. I have no idea what's happening. But that experience made me really determined to be one of the family members um, who were friendly to me. Actually, all the Chrises were really friendly that day. It was one of the phrases I said to Andy afterwards. Andy was like, oh, who did you meet? How did you get on? Having not spoken to him for the whole party. And I was like, well, all the people called Chris are really nice. Um, and I was determined to be one of the Chrises next time. So um, when the next, however many more have joined since then, I've been like, no, I'm going to be one of the people who says, welcome to this family. It's a great family. We're so glad to have you here. Don't worry about everyone who's called Chris. They're all really nice. It's going to be great. You're going to survive this family party. We're going to have a great time together. We're going to gather around now and we're going to be transformed by love, etc., etc., etc. I wanted to be the person doing that. Um, so let's be people who do that. Let's be the people who say, this is a great family. We'd love you to have a great time here. Uh, don't worry about all the names. Don't worry about all the people who look similar to each other and all have the same name. It's okay. Everyone actually in this church, there's about five different people called Catherine, if you haven't clocked that already. So um, I'm doing fine for Catherine's again. Um, now, I actually quite enjoy learning names. I like to like, have my spreadsheet in my head and like, put people in the little name compartments in my brain. That's sort of how my brain works, sort of slightly organized. I like to know people. I'm not actually bad at remembering names and faces and stories. Um, and I've been around at Patton Church a year now. Um, I'm here most weeks. Um, I've also got access to the rotor, so if I meet someone on the welcome team and I've forgotten their name, I can just look them up on the rotor and work out who they are. So I am at an advantage in this church when it comes to learning names, and I appreciate that. Um, and I could, I'm not going to, but I could ask you to put up your hands if I've remembered your name. And that's, you know, not sort of interesting, but actually that's not the question I'm actually going to ask you in a minute to put up your hand. Because in a minute, I'm going to ask you to put up your hand if I have ever forgotten your name. Because actually, those are the conversations that I'm excited about. Some of us are good at learning names. Some of us are not good at learning names. Let's not get stressed about the names. What we want to be doing is um, having more conversations where even though we're feeling anxious, even though we can't quite remember what that person's name is, it's either Hannah or Rachel, I don't know, even when we actually can't remember all the things they told us about their life story last week when we met them in church last week, and we're going to embarrass ourselves in this conversation, even when we know we've seen them somewhere but we cannot for the life of us work out where it is, we're actually going to push through social anxiety and we're going to say, can you just remind me of your name? So 
If I have ever said, that's one of my phrases actually in church to get me through coffee time. Um, if I have ever forgotten your name, so I've, I've asked you your name when you've already told me your name in the same conversation, like 30 seconds previous, I do that most weeks. Um, if I've asked your name when I've met you maybe two or three or four or five times and I can tell you everything about like where you, where you live and where you work, but I still have forgotten your name. Um, if I've ever just actually forgotten that I've spoken to you before, can you just put your name up, your hand up now? Oh, come on, be braver than that. Come on. Yes, there are a few. So this is, a, is what we want. This is it. We want people to be forgetting names more. And not because we want to forget names, because actually we want to be having the conversation where we're very brave and we say, you know what, I've forgotten your name, but I really want you to be part of this family. I really want you to have a great time in this family. I really want you to be transformed by the love of Jesus in this family. And because of that, I'm going to push through a bit of embarrassment and not worry that I have forgotten your name, even though you told me it 30 seconds ago. Are you with me? Because God's love is transformative, we're going to push through social anxiety. Okay, next one. Not quite so long, this one. The second thing that I think we see in culture that stops us from inviting people into family to experience the transformative love of God is the phrase that says, what's in it for me? When we join a new organization, we usually join because we want something out of it. So when I go to Pilates, it's because I have a dream of one day being a little bit stronger, a little bit fitter, a little bit healthier. Um, when we join, I don't know what it might be, a book club, we want to meet some people, we want to we read, read books, we want to do more, whatever it might be. What am I going to get out of joining this group? Um, and we see this in families. Actually, I'm not getting anything out of it. That family member is not nice to me anymore, so I'm just not going to bother being nice to them. I'm done. I'm sick of it. We see this all the time. Um, and actually, we all need looking after sometimes. We want to be a family when people come in and they say, I feel completely alone today. I feel broken today. That actually, this is a place where you can get help, where you can be loved, where you can be walked alongside, where you can be transformed by the love of Jesus. We want to be a family where everyone gets the help and the care that they need when they need it. But actually, sometimes we also need to be a friend if we want to make a friend. Um, if we want to get a new friend, we need to be a friend to them. Um, now, I, I've, I've sort of seen this pushing through God's love transforming what's in it for me. Um, in Alpha, actually, Alpha is something we run. Joel's told us about it already. Second week this week is the perfect week to join. If you haven't joined already, we'd love to see you there Wednesday in the morning or in the evening. Um, and people come to Alpha for all sorts of reasons. Sometimes they come because they're searching for something. Sometimes they become because they um, need something more in their life than what they've already got. Maybe they know that they need God. Maybe they know that they need Jesus. They need to understand a little bit more of that. Maybe they want to know more. Maybe they're looking for friendship. Maybe they're looking to meet new people in, a, in somewhere they've just moved to. Um, they come because they've got all sorts of needs that they want to see filled. But we found again and again, by the end of the 11 weeks, people might have got their answers. They probably will have made a few friends. They probably have will had their faith in Jesus strengthened. And they will have got maybe what they were looking for in the first place. But also, they've become family. The people that they sat next to on week one of Alpha and thought, oh my goodness, I cannot believe I've been put in this group with these strange people. Um, they've become family. And as they've grown closer to Jesus, as they've gathered around Jesus, they've grown closer to each other. Love has been transformative. And it's not just about their needs anymore, but they start to care for each other. We start to care for each other. A number of our Alpha groups have enjoyed being family so much, they've kept meeting. Uh, even after Alpha's finished, they've kept meeting, kept reading the Bible together, kept encouraging each other, kept going on the WhatsApp group, um, whatever it might be. They've, they've, they're looking out for each other, walking alongside each other. And we're now seeing some of our 
guests on Alpha now coming to help on Alpha. They're giving up their time on a Wednesday to come and help some other people get the things that they're looking for as well. Um, we're going to hear loads of these stories at the baptisms this afternoon about people who have come in and through family been transformed to, to serve other people. Um, and actually, instead of asking what's in it for me, we want to be a family that asks what's in it for them, what's in it for the people coming in, the new people, what's in it for Swindon. There's 200,000 people in Swindon who are not connected to church. And every week, some of them come to our church for the first time. Um, what a privilege. Um, what an opportunity to stop saying, what's in this for me? What am I going to get out of this today? You are going to get stuff out of this today because God is love and love is transformative. But that's not going to be our primary question. We're going to start asking, um, in view of God's mercy, God's love for me, how am I going to help them get what they need this morning? How am I going to welcome them into the family? What's in it for them? Let's be the friend that they want to have. Be the friend that, that's just badly written. Be a friend to make a friend. That's better. Let's be a friend so that we can make a friend. So we're going to come into family and we're going to push through um, what's in it for me and see love transform us. And the third thing is comparison. And comparison can so easily remove our confidence. If you're a 100 meter sprinter and you're too busy comparing yourself to the person next door, so much so that you're actually like looking at them and looking at their lane instead of looking at your lane, you will not win the race. You will not end up where you're meant to be. You will not be running your race. You'll be too busy comparing yourself to the um, person next to you. Um, now, in our family, me and Andy, we have two little ones. We have a few family rules. Um, some of the less inspiring family rules are um, don't leave baskets of dirty washing next to the washing machine. It's not part of the system. You don't do that in my house. If you're going to have dirty washing, it's in the washing baskets upstairs. Next to the, the, next to the washing machine, you never leave dirty washing. The system breaks if you do that. That's one of our family rules. Not very exciting. Um, another one of our not very exciting family rules is never drain potatoes into the washing up bowl. You know when you drain potatoes and like all the water is all like starchy and gross and it basically takes you to boil a kettle and like boil off the water to get it. So that's one of our family rules. You, in our house, if you want to come and uh, um, help us with our potatoes in our house, you'd be most welcome. Um, you never drain the potatoes into the washing up bowl. Okay, mundane family rules. Um, one that's slightly more ex um, inspiring and relevant to this point is um, it's not about should. One of our phrases is, it's not about should. Now, we started saying this quite early in our marriage, Andy and I, to each other, because actually we both have a real tendency to compare ourselves to other people. Um, that's, that's something we both do, and we still do. Um, and we were comparing our relationship to the other relationships around us. We were comparing our marriage to our parents' marriages, to our friends' marriages, to marriages on TV that aren't even like real marriages. Like they're literally fictional. Like you could not compare yourself to anything worse than a fit. It's ridiculous. So we developed this phrase, it's not about should, because we were saying, well, we should be like that. And we should be like that. And we should be doing this. And we should be more X. And we should be more Y. And actually, in the end, we just were like, it's not about should. That is one of our phrases. And we still say it to each other sometimes when I'm getting all like, oh, I should be doing this and I should be. It's not about should. We should have freedom from comparison, freedom to be ourselves, freedom to do it our way. Comparison, the pattern of this world says when we're thinking about inviting people into family, we look around and we say, oh, well, they just know so many more people than me. They might do, but it's irrelevant. Um, they're so much better at small talk. They might be, but actually, I don't think many people are actually good at small talk because it's really awkward even if you're good at it. So I don't know if that's a real thing to be comparing to. Um, they're just more funny. They tell more funny jokes. Well, that might be true, but equally, 
not everyone finds every joke funny. Um, they tell more interesting stories to me. I, we go on and on and on, comparing ourselves to other people and like building up the reasons why we don't want to be the person who's brave and invites people in, chats to people, says to the, is the person that says, we'd love you to be here. We'd love you to be with us. Um, I'm not always confident to chat to people in church. Um, when I was a student, Andy and I went to the same church as, a student, as students, and um, we had a quite different approach to like that awkward pre-service coffee time and Andy used to go in he used to like scan the room and look for like the person that he wanted to make friends with that week which was usually someone either wearing like a niche sport like jumper like so like if you're on the frisbee team he'd be straight for them like weird sports that you do at uni he'd be straight in there and if he heard that they played bridge he really looks for the cool people, Andy. Um, if they heard they play bridge, which is not typically something that 19-year-olds play, but anyway, that's Andy. He'd be straight for them. He'd be making a beeline. He'd be like working all his like expert frisbee bridge chat. He'd be making friends with them. Um, this was not my approach. I would basically scan the room, find a safe place to stand, and go and stand there. And hopefully, after a little while, someone else might come and stand not too far away from me. And I'd think, right, well, we're both on the edge together. Let's chat to each other. I'm sure I'm brave enough to chat to you. If you're not brave enough to chat to all those Frisbee players as well, I would love to talk to you. And we don't have to do everything the same as everyone else does it. We don't have to be exactly the same in the way we welcome people. Um, and actually, for those of us who are naturally round the edge, I was at a meeting this week, actually, in Swindon. I didn't know anyone, and I arrived early so I could be meet people and I stood at the edge until I found someone that I thought right I can do this come on Kath we can do it and um, there are loads of people around the edge every week in this church we've got new people every week loads of people um, who would love someone else to go and stand at the edge with them and say I'm so glad you're here I'm so glad you're in family with us um, we've got a chance to behave differently to not conform to the pattern of this world and that's what this family does that's what we want to be as a family gathered around Jesus um, letting love transform us. And what happens when we manage it? Well, we look something like the body of Christ. We look something like that beautiful picture of lots of different people in our diversity, not comparing ourselves to each other, not worrying about what's in it for me, um, not letting anxiety hold us back, but actually functioning well together, inviting new people into the family, working together. Um, Paul goes on to talk about gifts, and everyone's got gifts and how they can be used um, in this family and grown in this family and we're stronger together we're poorer without you when you're not with us and we're stronger when we're together when everyone can be part of it that's our hope for Swindon that everyone will be part of a church family 200,000 people part of a church family gathering around Jesus letting love transform them yeah and as the body we get to be part of that don't we we get to be part of God transforming Swindon um if you come to the baptisms this afternoon and you really should, you'll hear lots of lies of how family has transformed um, people's experience of life. Um, in two weeks' time, we're looking at serving, and that's part of being family as well, serving each other, serving our community, um, all the different things we can get involved in in church, in Swindon. We've got a new building about to launch later this year. There'll be lots of things to get involved in there. Um, but it all starts, actually, by coming into the family, by being welcomed in and letting Jesus' love transform you. So maybe there's been a particular encouragement for you this morning, something you've heard that you thought, oh yeah, that's an encouragement to me. And maybe you're experiencing the negative effects of comparison or of what's in it for me 
or of that social anxiety that so many of us suffer from. And actually, you'd love God to give us that freedom, give you that freedom um, that you need to live life to the full without being shackled by that stuff. Um, maybe actually you just love to be up for forgetting a few more names, for pressing through the awkward and saying, can you just remind me of your name, even though you've done it the last four weeks in a row? Um, being the person that says, actually, I'm going to push through awkward, I'm going to make this um, an easy place for you to be in. Um, maybe you'd like to find out about Alpha. You'd like to join in with something. You'd be helping it, um, what we're doing on Sundays and Wednesdays. Or maybe you'd just actually like some help for some of the things that are holding you back today. Maybe that's you. Imagine if we had the freedom to be fully ourselves because actually God loves us and he loves us as we are and we've got a part to play in his body. And imagine if this was a family where people knew they were loved, not because we learnt their name the first time, um, but because actually we kept going back, we kept having that awkward conversation, we kept drawing people in, we kept saying, we're so glad you're here, I'm so glad you're here. Imagine if we were transformed by love, if we were transformed by Jesus, and we saw Jesus bring us hope and peace and joy in our lives. And then we saw that ripple out, overflow into Swindon. Because actually people were coming into family. They were gathering around Jesus. And love was transforming them.